What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Is a room production. Yo, what up, y'all? Dude has been nuts for like legit four hours. Like four hours. But I just started talking and he just, there we go. Come on. Go ahead. Do it. Go ahead. And let me see if I can put on some Cocoa Melon. If we can get like a solid 15 minutes out of this locker room, uh, that would be a freaking miracle. Um, but I hope you guys, uh, well, I hope you guys enjoyed the game. I uh, wasn't able to stream it, uh, due to this dude just being a loose cannon. Um, but I was able to, I was able to, uh, to watch as much as I could. I couldn't really like live tweet it. Like this dude was tearing up everything, bro. Like everything. Um, but interesting game. Uh, started out a little slow, and that's ex- and that's totally expected. Him starting out slow is expected. Um, you're playing a team who just played 24 hours prior. They've they're already used to the scenario. They're already used to the um, the surroundings. They're used to having a bit of fans there. So they're kind of warm coming in, and I think that kind of shell shocked Michigan a bit. Um, okay, hold on. You just you, you just paused it. Just don't hit that button. So you know they come in and Maryland comes out. They just don't miss. Like at one point they made what like eight or nine straight. Like we couldn't play defense, and they were hitting tough shots. They were getting anything they wanted. Stop hitting buttons. They were getting anything they wanted, anything, whether it was at the rack, whether it was from three, whether it was from mid-range, pretty much everything, bro. And um, there was that timeout, and then they went up, I think it was like 36-24. They went up 36-24, and then I feel like Mike Smith, Mike Smith, Brandon Johns, Hello, where you been, my guy? Brandon Johns. Put some respect on my guy's name. I don't think Michigan wins this game uh, without what Johns and Davis did uh, in that first half because they really settled things down, whether it was getting to the line, whether it was getting to the line or whether it was finishing inside. They were doing things that usually – you would see the effect of Hunter Dickinson where guys had to start rotating over, opening up the game for everyone. And I do understand where, hold on, I'm about to do a little, I'm about to take the battery out of this thing. Let him play with the remote sub. Give me one sec. So then it comes down to the point where now Mike Smith is now doing his thing. Now Wagner starts doing his thing. All because Brandon and Austin just kind of just start 
they they just start playing them. They just start, you know, doing their their uh, thing. And I feel like this was the first game in, in a long time I felt Brandon knew exactly what he was doing when he let me get uh let me get John in here. What's up, John? All right. Peter, what's up? Uh, I had a question about just how concerned are you about post feeds going forward? It feels like we're being really lazy trying to get the ball to Hunter, and we just haven't been creative about it at well, all. Well, I've talked about this before, and you're completely right. The issue with – come on, man. The issue with this is not the fact that we're not feeding him. It's that we're so vanilla in how Hunter is getting his, his, his touches. I want to see him being able to – I want to see him being able to dive. I want to see him in more pick and rolls, whether it's on the side or whether it's up top. More like slice cutting with like back screens. So he's getting some type of leverage and not having to go one-on-one, chest-to-chest all game. Yeah, absolutely. So I I think that, I mean, obviously – the last three games weren't Michigan's best. I mean, they get they got one win out of Michigan State, but that was expected, and that's something that a better team is going to win one out of two of those games when you play back-to-back. But those last three games, Michigan's definitely not played the best offensively, um, and I think one of the reasons was is because the ball got sticky. There, there was no – there was no flow of the offense. They weren't – they weren't um, – they weren't getting the ball around. They weren't switching the offense up. It was just sticking on one side of the offense, and they were just trying to force feed. Today, I wasn't able to really watch the first half much. I was working some. But um, from what I saw, they were able to drive and kick. They were able to rotate the ball around. They were able to swing the ball around the perimeter. And what that does is that really moves the defense and makes the defense react and makes the defense have to – have to switch, have to do things. And that's where you get the mismatches where today um, you, you were able to see that a lot. I mean, we, we were finally, I think, back to the offense we saw. That was, that's a top 10 efficient, um, top 10 efficiency in, in the country. And so with that, it also makes getting the ball to the post so much easier because now instead of the guy playing on one side of Dickinson, maybe they're just like fronting him or maybe they're playing on one hip. He has to move to each side of Dickinson's body to defend. And that's so much harder than just sitting on one, one part of his body, the whole um, offense or defensive possession for them. So I think today you got to see that help a lot. And then also when guys were driving, they were looking to kick it out from time to time. There's that's the easiest three in basketball is when you get the ball from inside the three point line, because your body is squared to the basket and the ball's coming right from the direction you're going to shoot it at. Um, so it makes it so much easier. So I think that was probably one of the biggest things I saw that was a difference from the past. So, like, when Mike Smith is allowed to do whatever he wants to do, this team is ten times harder to guard. Because uh, when he is slicing up the defense, you are making guys unnaturally guard the ball from behind you. So not only do you have to know where the ball is, if you are a three-point shooter and you're also moving, that defender is 
that defender is going to be compromised continuously. And I saw a lot better movement once the ball was penetrated. You saw guys, uh, you saw guys moving whether down or up to make sure that the ball saw them. Um, and I do see the concerns about Isaiah Livers. Um, the fact that Michigan did what they did today, despite Isaiah just not impacting much. Um, that says a lot about them. And I do think that Isaiah needs to be more aggressive. He needs to do what Franz is doing. I'm not saying, I'm not saying like, you know, I'm not saying be Franz, but he can do similar things. Like he doesn't have to drive the ball every time, but be aggressive, be, be aggressive just to keep the defense honest. Just right now. You said well, what Trajan's now? being interviewed right now. He is? I'll keep you updated. Interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Keep me updated there, uh, and then we'll kind of talk about that as well, too. So you guys have kind of – there's like a tweet going around about what Turgeon said on the court. Apparently he said um, – apparently he said something to the tune of um, – he said something to the tune of don't hang the banner because your banners come down or something like that. And I'm not, I'm not sure how accurate that is. Um, but that's like the tweet that's going around right now. Um, which is interesting. <laughs> I know. Right. It's interesting because Turgeon has been at Maryland for how long? And he's hung what one banner and Juwan's been able to, to do that in, his first full season. Interesting. All right. Uh, he's He just kind of said um, that there was things going on in the first two games uh, with what happened, I guess. And so he already talked to the commissioner of the Big Ten about what happened in the first two games before this game happened. And he was pretty much saying he was just sticking up for himself and he wasn't going to take it anymore. I don't know. He's not referring to what was being said in those first two games. Well, well, well. And then he's also denying the rumor going around about the banners. He's already seen it. So I guess uh, probably PR team probably told him about it. But um, that that tweet was not – it's not a real tweet. Like It's not what he said. Like, it's from an MSU fan who has, like, 14 followers. Like, so – and the whole reason why, like, it got a lot of pub is because Chris Ballas, like, retweeted it. And, like, it has no, like, it's not real. Oh, yeah. No. The, tw- the tweet oh. just said you can tell from the video that he said this, which is just not true because we all have the video. You can't, <laughs> we can't, you can't really tell hear what anything. I'm like, I'm like, like, what type of beat does this guy have? That's really funny. Um, Let's go with to- uh, Tony first. Then Giovanni. Tony. All right. I don't know if you guys can hear me. I got bad reception. Can you hear me? Yep. Well, so I wanted to ask, like, I don't I don't know what the deal was with Isaiah. Like, I don't know if I missed something. I haven't been on Twitter. I've been working a little bit. But, I mean, he didn't play hardly at all the second half. Was that just because he wasn't playing well? Or is he... Um, I know at the end of the Michigan State game on Sunday, he was limping a little bit. Um, it could be a little, little nick up that he's still 
trying to battle through. Um, I thought they were fine without him. The fact that I didn't even notice if he was in or out of the game, I mean, pretty much says as much as that does. You can easily, like, lose somebody. Then you see him and they're like, when when did he check in? You know what I mean? If that's the case, they weren't making much of an impact anyway. But I really like the lineups that they did go to because it seems like that those were much better matchups, um, you know, for this game. And it could be totally flipped tomorrow. And, you know, that's just kind of how it is when it comes to matchups and, and different types of teams that you're, you're – uh, you're uh you're uh you're uh playing against. Let me get uh. All right, go ahead, Giovanni. Hello, can y'all hear me? Can y'all hear me yeah. good? All right, I'm at work right now, but I I, I had to get this on my chest for you guys. But, Long uh, room over work all day every day. You know that. Of course, <laughs> of course, of course. But <laughs> for all right, so first with uh livers. I feel like it was more of a thing for his play rather than, you know, like a little recurring injury because they did the same thing with Franz back in the uh, OSA game where Shawnee was just playing better off the bench. Franz just didn't have it that day, you know what I mean? And uh, Shawnee ended up finishing the game for the most part over him other than they did uh, defensive lineups for that, for uh, for the most part, at the end of the game. So I didn't really see anything in that for Livers. I understand why, pretty, for the most part, he wasn't in the game. But uh, at the beginning of the game, we were in that little deficit. Um, John's had a, had a pretty good, had a pretty good spurt. Uh, Shondi, of course, uh, came off the bench with those key points. And then Eli was struggling, but I love Eli. When he he just plays, you should see like, it's just a difference in the team, you know? And like, it's like, like we always say, it doesn't always show up on a stat sheet. You know, today it did, but Eli, he just does a lot of the little things. He just do not notice. And our team ultimately plays better. Because with Eli on the floor, you know he doesn't bring as much um, dribble penetration as Mike Smith does. It does take a little bit of pressure off of Mike Smith to, for him to run a whole offense. You know what I mean? And, exactly. Exactly. And that is, and that's key. And that's key, especially for a team like uh, like Maryland, who pretty who pretty much have all wings. So of course it's gonna be great defensively. They switch everything. You know what I mean? But I feel like that was key in our win today. Mike Smith. I mean, I mean, I mean, like. I've pretty much, for the most part, I've always taken him over uh, X for like I've, since like I don't know. I think it's an Iowa game. But I was like, yeah, Mike Smith, I gotta take him. I did but again since Mike Smith like showed May. Really? Yeah, because like, because like you could kind of see what he could have brought to the team, and after the first like 11, 12 games, you saw right away. You're like, okay, yeah, the fact that he can never be really compromised on the offensive end. Uh, due to being able to play on or off the ball. When, when he's off the ball, teams still have to pay attention to him. That was never the deal with with uh, um, Simpson. And that's totally fine. Simpson was – I thought he was great. But in terms of this team and the makeup, having Mike Smith, uh, the ball isn't stuck. Uh, he's not the only one making decisions. And, and I – I just think that just makes everybody around him better too, because he's not—he he doesn't have this super high usage where the ball starts and stops with him. That's very true. I feel like—I mean, like as soon as I was like, uh, I didn't really, to be honest, like during that 
that final run at the end of the first half, I didn't, I did not get hyped until like uh, I remember he dissed that uh, ball to Franz, and obviously he laid it up for the buzzer, and I just saw him just run out the court, just yelling. That's when I just, that's when I really just felt like I just felt the intensity of the game. That's where everything just got ratcheted up, you know what I mean? And then the whole Jawan thing, I mean, I mean to be honest, personally, from my feeling, Maryland talks too. Maryland talks too much shit for a team that keeps repeatedly getting blown out by the same team. You know what I mean? I, I'm, but I am all for. You know, I like talking. I like bringing it back and forth in the game. That's that comes with basketball. It comes with sports. You know, it brings the intensity of the game higher. But Maryland talks just a little bit too much for me for a team that you know that gets swept. You know, by the same team. You know, this year. But you know, that's fine. Duan, Duan got uh thrown out. I was like, okay, this is a, a pivotal. This is a pivotal stretch right here. And, and Maryland was pretty much taking advantage of it at the beginning of it. But we still calmed down. We got our defense going. And then my son just led the way for the most part. So I'm happy with this win. It feels like we are back. Eli is back. He's looking good. I mean, no, he struggled, uh, struggled early. And I just love this team. Let's keep going. Let's keep going deep. My biggest thing from that is why did the referees just allow Daryl Morsell to do whatever the hell he wanted to in terms of just talking? Like he was in the middle of the coaches thing. Then after that, he's chirping at Hunter, and he's getting no text, no nothing. They don't even talk. They don't even talk to the man. I the, the you, thing, the you, thing. you know why? You know why he's getting those like liberties because we put a dent on this guy, the side of this guy's head. So now they're just allowing him. The the thing that made me mad the most is what happened right after Juwan got tossed. He shoved Hunter Dickinson after a made basket. And it's like, if you toss one, if if you toss a coach and then a guy on the other team shoves another player, not even in the, in a, in a play and you don't do anything about it. That's so ridiculous. He was literally in the middle of the scrum too. These refs had no control of this game though. These refs had no control of this game from the beginning. Marcel looked like one of the refs when the whole scuffle was happening. He was like walking over, like holding his hands up, like he's running the show or something. I mean, the guy gets the crappiest Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year award ever, and then he just thinks he's like running the show around all these guys. That was the weirdest energy ever. Weirdest energy ever. Um, Let's go on mute right quick, Darren. Thanks, man. Um, Let's go with uh, who was up next? I think it was, let's go Lee, Caleb, Max, and then Darren. All right, cool. And um, what do you think we could do? Like, I've been noticing, like, this trend at the beginning of games, like how we get off to these slow starts. Um, I feel like we're not, get, like, feeding Hunter the ball, like, enough right at the beginning of the game. And, like, we're just allowing, like, teams to wall him off and not, like, reverse the ball and try a reentry or, like, different ways to get him the ball. And then, like, our offense stalls out right at the beginning of the games, and it normally takes us until the second half to get going. Like, So what are, like, a few, like, ways we can just, like, kind of, like, get off to better starts? Yeah, so, like, earlier I talked about this. We are very vanilla right now when it comes to preparation. Pre- preparing for Michigan uh, is probably one of the easier in the Big Ten right now. Nothing is very complicated. Um the way that they get under the ball is not very complicated. Um, and then you always see Michigan having to adjust in game or you have to have them, um, you know, make changes during like halftime 
on how he's getting the ball, getting his touches and all that. I think there needs to be more focus about that in between games. Just throw something to teams that they haven't seen yet. Get hung, get Hunter coming off of some type of slice or cross screen or back screen that teams haven't seen yet that you know they can easily prepare for. And one more thing, like that's been frustrating me, is uh, the spacing on the court. Like I don't know if you noticed today, but like Isaiah would just go and try a post up right where down where Hunter is instead of doing what his elite uh, skill level is, which is spot up shooting. Like he's one of the best spot up shooters in the country. Like he's basically. Like I don't 50, mind 40, that. 90 guy. Yeah, but like I I'm just saying, like don't mind that because look what teams will do if you continue to just run perimeter. They're going to just put their smallest guy on him. Uh, you know, now he's not being utilized for his whole game. I like the fact he runs post because that tells me he's still engaged and he's still hunting his points. He's, you yeah. know, it just no, happens to just come I, at the I, wrong I, place. I agree with that. But, like, it's just like the spacing-wise. Like, he's going down to where we're trying to feed Hunter the ball and, like, Maybe try that on the other side, like reverse action, like because he's he's going down. He's trying to post up like right where Hunter is located. You know well, then like, that tells me times. that Hunter doesn't understand spacing. If you have that's what that's what I'm saying. If you I'm have Livers on, on one block, if you have yeah. if you have him on one block, then you just put Hunter on the opposite elbow. Yeah, like I'll give you an example. Like if we end up playing Illinois on Sunday, right? Like, I would love to see us, like, just pick and roll them to death. Like, have Hunter, like, go up towards the top of the key and have Isaiah more, like, if he wants to post up. Like, his Illinois' wings are smaller than these other teams that, like, example, today that we played, right? I I, I got direct quotes from Juwan Howard um, after the game, if you right, want me to up. share. Yeah, so... John said, I want to first apologize to my team, which I did in the locker room for my actions. That's not the way you handle situ- you handle situations in adverse moments. Can't let the emotions get to be- the best of you. I'm going to take ownership when I'm wrong and admit when I'm wrong. That's not the way to handle the, situ- the situation. I noticed that S- Smith went for an offensive rebound and it went off his hands last, but the referees called the ball out of bounds and it was their possession. I was like, no, that's not how I saw it. He says he left the coaching box um, to say he thought it was off Smith. Uh, and then he, from there, says Churgeon saw that and told the ref that Juwan was out of the coaching box. And then he also said Turgeon charged him. And he said, when, you, when guys charge you, it's time to defend yourself. I went into defense mode for getting exactly where I'm at. That's not the right way to handle the situation. I didn't charge him. So when he charged me, I... He should have knocked him the last Tuesday. Just one uppercut. Just Mortal Kombat style. That would have been hilarious. Finish. <laughs> nah, but, I mean, yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah, but that's exactly what you expect Juwan to say, too. That's like, true. You knew he wasn't going to come out and say this guy said that. He was going to keep it to his chest. Yeah, he's not going to snitch. Like Turgeon, yeah, he, he got out of his box. Yeah, Turgeon would act like that. Juwan, get out of here, bro. That's not. Yeah, that's not. How he Turgeon did. also said you're reading a game I'm, and you're I'm, bitching about the other guy just not with within his line. Like, I'm dude reading was here. like, that's the softest thing ever. Free, free points. 
that is. I'm the reading s- here that um, I'm reading here that he told Jawan like, don't ever talk to me again, like, don't you dare talk to me, type of thing. But I don't know. I think he said more. Yeah. No, no he de- he de- he came out in his interview. Turgeon said he he he's told Jawan not to talk to him. That that is. 100% true. The whole banner thing, I think, is not true at all. But no, no, no. Um, yeah, that, that was that was like a Michigan State fan yeah. trying to be funny. But, like, that wasn't real. Um, well, whatever he wanted to do, he did it. Right. Did you guys see where Turgeon, Turgeon said, I've called the conference office, I've called the commissioner about what transpired in the first two games? Yeah, yeah we, we, we went over that January. a little bit earlier. Okay. Hunter Dickens what, was laughing what, what, at me. <laughs> that's That's all he said. That he was laughing at him? No. Like, what is he going to say from the first two games outside of Hunter talking shit the whole time? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, Ant, Phil, Phil, Phil Martelli. How reassuring is it to have a guy like Martelli just come in when Jawan gets ejected and it's pretty much, like, stress-free? Like, he's been here before. He knows exactly what he's doing. It's not some coach that's never coached. Well, the most important part was that I didn't see a difference in the coaching style. Uh, Sometimes when you have, I'm not going to say jealous or envious, but whenever you have a coach who likes to kind of do their own thing or prove themselves, Martelli has nothing to prove, right? But if you have a coach who comes into that situation trying to like prove themselves, you know, you can, you know, you can see the playing style slight, slightly change. I didn't see a change at all. I saw right when that switch happened, I saw Michigan for about for about 90 seconds. They were playing like how they started the Michigan State game. Um, no, how they started the Illinois game, where they were going a little bit too fast. They were faster than what they were thinking about. And then Eli Brooks hits a big three, and, and it feels like everything just settled down for him. Then they started just playing basketball and having fun. I think they had a lot of fun today. Um, and whenever teams are having fun, you're you're pretty hard to beat. I think a lot of beef that uh, Turgeon and, like, McCaffrey have against Juwan is the fact that he just stepped into the league and already has more respect with officials and people than they do. And it's like, it's no coincidence that those two have kind of issues with Juwan, but you don't really see, like, Izzo have any problems or or Matt Painter, you know. Well, Izzo and Painter, those two guys are not insecure. You know, the guys like Turgeon get clowned all the time. Exactly. They are the punching bag. You know, you can punch at Izzo, make fun of him here or there, but you can't deny how great he is. Matt Painter, you can make fun of him and all that stuff. Dude took the 14th like 14th or 15th youngest team in the country in the country and is now a four seed in the toughest conference by Ken Palm standards ever. Yeah. And and Fran McCaffrey and Turgeon have been trying to get that respect and trying to garnish that kind of success for a while. And the fact that Juwan stepped in and kind of took the spotlight from their potential success is kind of rubbing them the wrong way. I think. Well, it's not it's not Jawan's fault for winning the Big Ten in his first like full season, like full season of recruiting and full season of like of like actual play. Actually, like like this was kind of a, a full season, not really, but kind of. But still, um, 
I do want to hear from Caleb. He's been chilling for a while. So go ahead, Caleb. No, you're good, bro. Uh, the one thing I wanted to talk about, and Mike Smith was elite. Like, he kind of gave me those flashbacks to DeWalt in the Big Ten tournament um, when they were in practice jerseys. But what about Big Country, Sean D, and Brandon Johns? You know, that Sean D came in, hit the three, and then hit that little floater. I feel like without those three in the first half, we the game might have been out of hand before we even hit halftime. I agree. I agree. All three guys. I think at, at one point, the bench like doubled whatever the starters' scoring output was, and um, and they carried. And that just shows, like, it's one thing to have depth, right? It's another thing to have a dude who started – like over 70 games in the ACC. <laughs> right. There's another type of depth when, yeah. when you have a guy like, you know, Brandon Johns and Davis. I'm not sure if Davis has started, but you have someone like uh, Johns who has started, I think, both at the four and the five. So these are guys with legit experience. These aren't just your average sixth or seventh men. Like these are dudes who have had to make big shots and big games. Shondi Brown was the leading scorer upsetting a very good Duke team last year. I mean, right. I mean, like, I'm like, like the depth, they're not very deep uh, uh, quantity wise, but quality, like, right. like, like that eight is very, very good. I, I also felt like, like Davis, don't get me wrong. Would he have four or six points? But the dude was just an animal on the boards. Like in the first half, I want to say he had, I like yeah, that. like the guy had four offensive rebounds in like two minutes. Yeah, man. Um, kept, it kept the minute, and then kept Eli, the I mean, Eli, like he's frustrating on offense that first, you know, almost the whole first half. And then the dude just, he had that fillet, that reverse layup. And dude, I just feel like every Michigan fan was going crazy when he, uh, he finally started knocking down shots. That's just, with him though, that's just extra when he's hitting down, hitting that three ball. It's just extra for everything he, else he really He plays. hit that three that, like, bounced off the rim, like, three times, and then he was, yeah. and he was on fire. Right. So, no, nah, I mean, I'm just impressed with everything. And the coaching thing, that will go away. Ju- Juwan will learn from it. So, uh, all it was the, nice. overall, it was a good All win. the, all the uh, Fairweather Michigan fans on Twitter were like, oh, we should have benched him. We should have benched Eli, you know, and, like, then he goes yeah. off in the second half. I thought it was Yeah, but those are just casuals. They they don't watch, who, yeah. A loss, a loss today to Maryland would have would have hurt our confidence quite a bit after how Michigan's been playing. I would say the last week or so. So I think Eli playing today was important. We needed this. Yeah, hey, I mean, Ant, what do you think about this uh, Ohio State Purdue game? Like, who would you rather like face? Who would I rather face? I would rather face Purdue. Um, yeah, me too. I don't really, honestly. I don't really care. Like what Washington Junior did. Um, he hadn't done that shit all all year long. Like, dude was unreal. Like, he hasn't done that all year long. Like, dude has li- – he literally has been shooting them out of games. So, I, I don't really care. Carson, I don't- Yeah, like, I don't really care, honestly. Um, I just want them to come in prepared and, and, and just play well. You know what I mean? If they do that, if they play their game and they play well, um, they should beat either team. I took Purdue in a parlay, so I I want Purdue. 
<laughs> you root for the monies. That's who you root for. <laughs> I may be uh, a little late to the party here, but you guys see that news about Kansas? Yeah, Kansas I saw Kansas and Virginia back out, right? Yeah, they both have COVID, and I think that means they're both. I mean, I might not know the rules as well. They as might good, be out of the tournament. Right? They're days? on. The, it's. I. I think. I think it's a very good chance that both of them are not going to be in the tournament because they have to have seven straight days of negative testing, and the tournament starts in seven days. Yeah. So, the contact tracing. Yes. So, exactly. So how how does that work with selection Sunday? Like, if you have like a few teams that are out between now and yeah, like, more at large gonna... teams. Yeah. So they already oh. announced they're going to have like four teams that are like backup teams, even with selection Sunday. Wow. So they're going to so, have like backup teams to to slide in for those. How spots. is that? Is, is, it, is everyone going to slide up a, a, a seed then? So Rocket, so I because do, they haven't given details on how they're going to slide the replacement teams in yet. I'd assume they'd move people up a seed line, but it gets kind of sketchy if you're like right because, before the game because Kansas like and yeah, because Kansas and Virginia are going to be probably four and five seeds. Yeah, I think everyone just will slide up for Selection Sunday purposes, but then I don't know how they're going to do it with teams that test positive after Selection Sunday. I like believe they have like Wednesday 48 positive. hours. I think they have – it's either 48 hours after Selection or 48 hours prior to the game. I just rem- remember 48 hours um, is like the, the timetable for all that stuff. But after games start, there's no more reseeding. So if, you know, if, like, Illinois is in a bracket and they, like, win their first game and then the 8-9 team both have COVID, they're off to the Sweet 16. Yeah. Yeah, they're not putting in any backup teams after the tournament starts. Wow. Yeah. So, like, there's a possibility where, like, the national champion only plays, like, four games. I guess, yeah. Jack, so the official rule is that you only need five guys – to play the issue is the contact tracing the contact tracing like if one player is isolated or there's an isolated group they have to quarantine and the other group is fine in my opinion anyway that these teams have like adequate separation with contact tracing purposes like once they arrive at the conference tournament there's no way especially yeah especially especially when you're in the conference tournament you're playing every day and so, like, obviously with these teams getting COVID cases, they have to drop out of the conference tournament because that teammate was on the bench the day before. So they were all in contact. I, and I, I, shooting. I, I think that they're both, both teams, I think, are holding out slim hopes that they can play because if it, if it, is, if it is a seven-day thing, right? Remember, the tournament doesn't start till Fridays, Friday this year. Friday, Saturday, so, they could Saturday. so, so quarantine they, and then play the day after in the NCAA tournament? Uh, I don't know, but but they the possibility is the teams that that are under like Kansas and Virginia they could potentially not play their first game till Saturday, so I think they're trying to hold out hope. It doesn't sound likely, but I think that's why they haven't announced that they're out. They said they're out of their conference tournaments, but they're they're not necessarily out of the NCAA tournament. I think they still got Purdue's big man may have just sprained his knee. Who? Williams. Travion. Who's Williams? Travion. Oh, Travion. Travion. That sucks. The uh, the I'm other sorry, Tony. Thing, 
the other thing is like there's a chance that some of these positive tests were from last night too because by the time they like run them and get the results like the news we're getting this morning could be from yesterday's tests so they might even have an extra day of wiggle room so i think there's a chance and i wonder if the selection sunday group will intentionally slot them into saturday games to try that's what i'm saying for the that's what i'm saying for the teams that they know are they 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 would have been in the tournament give them the benefit of that extra day at least you know i mean they gotta have they have to have a contingency plan they have to have backup yeah nobody wants to see teams drop out because of COVID. i'm all for them trying to put them in saturday games even if it gives them a little like shred of an advantage on other teams by like getting a favorable selection but i mean come on it's COVID. like let's try and get the boys to play Unreal. Unreal, man. Uh, so, yeah. So, we made it 36 minutes, bro, with my son kind of screaming at times, but he's been pretty chill. Um, once we get off here, he's probably going to lose his mind again. But um, I'm going to end it. Thank you guys again. Hey, just know that these gem things, if you double tap um, like our faces, I don't know what what it is, but <laughs> there you go, I man. was talking to someone from locker room. I was talking to to someone from locker room uh, yesterday or the day before. Uh, she was in a like a welcome to locker room room, and I just popped in to say what's up. And someone asked her, "What do gems do?" And uh, she was like, "You know, at some point they're gonna be, um, they're gonna be." essential when it comes to having like if someone like huge comes on here like whether it's like um lebron james or whether it's like someone huge like like jj watt or tom brady if they're on here only certain people qualified will be able to come up and uh i think i'm one of the bigger accounts on this app so far um so like that helps but like they're also gonna evaluate based on gems. So if you guys are like ever in here, um, you you can only do like a gem every like five minutes or so. Um, but um, but that'll be dope. And then on top of that, if other people are up here with me and they have like a good take or you agree with something that they said, just you know just drop them a gem. And um, I think that that'll be cool. Just like an ongoing thing, but. Thank you guys. Your uh, your gems are taking off like GameStop stock. Man, that's what it has me every time, (laughs) you know? Every time. Um, We'll love you guys to have have gems gems, uh, too because MOB guys may utilize this or if your uh, favorite player comes on here and someone sees your gems are at a certain point, they'll invite you up as well. So um, it's not just for me. It's just like another interactive part of the app that – um, I hope you guys can also participate in. So, uh, thanks for coming on. Um, thank, thank you for tolerating my uh, situation. But um, I'll see you guys on the uh, Twitter webs where uh, we'll be making tons of jokes. I'll see y'all, man. Go blue. Nobody builds five G like Verizon builds five G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network.
Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.